On today's show, Representative Bill Kidd talking about utilities and all things in Jeff City. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus. I am your host, James Owen, the Executive Director of Renew Missouri. On the boards, producing Matt Patterson, our policy advisor, whatever you are. But most importantly, <laughs> our special guest today is Representative Bill Kidd, Republican from Independence, the district, the 20th district. 20th district. Representative Kidd, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you today? Uh, we are enormously grateful that you have stooped to having this interview with us. We well, are you know, you there here. are difficult things we have to do in the state, in, uh, you know, <laughs> in the life of a state representative and... So here we are. We are a state in crisis, and you are the man for the job. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, you can you can compliment me all you'd like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me everywhere. I yeah, uh, But I mean, seriously though, you are someone who has been a good supporter of renewable energy uh, in the legislature, and uh, a lot of people, our supporters, know that we talk about some of the legislative issues that go on here. And uh, we, we always appreciate that. So it's an opportunity for me to tell the public that we appreciate that. So well, thank you. Well, we have to start looking to the future. And uh, if we stay where we are right now, uh, we're going to get caught behind again. And uh, yeah. the show me state is pretty notorious for being behind. You know, I had somebody once tell me that we want to be first and being second or third. Well, and sometimes we don't even do a very good job of that. Yeah, but usually we're at 45th or 50th. Yeah. Yeah, and so we are obviously one of the things that we want to do is try to move us ahead in things like renewable energy efficiency. That's something that's obviously been of an interest to you. I mean, you have a background and you have an interest in this, you know, personally and legislatively. And I kind of just want to talk about, you know, we've been doing a lot of these uh, interviews with lawmakers. You're the third lawmaker we've had on here. Uh, and we always like to know, like, what drove you, what motivated you? even look at public office to begin with well that's an interesting thing because i had never been involved in politics until i ran until i ran for this office and so um i actually feel i'm a believer in god uh, mm -hmm. and uh at my age i i'm a senior yeah uh, i went to god one more time said okay lord what do you want me to do where do you want me to go i'm i'm got the means and the time now to go do something and he told you jefferson city well you know this just came up out of the middle of nowhere <laughs> Um, and, uh, there were some other things that went along with that. Um, but I said, here am I, where, where do you want me to go serve? Yeah. And so what I found out along the way is that I don't look at my, I don't that I have 36,000 constituents. Right. I have 36,000 people of which I'm pastor over. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at them as a congregation and not just people, then you, you look at it in a different way. It's my job to take care of them in whatever way I can at the state. And so my motivation has nothing to do with building a political career right. or going anywhere else or doing anything else. I'm just here, Lord, send me. So it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. And so it's kind of like you have this benevolent calling for this. Well, you know, people scoff, and I'm sure there will be some people who scoff at that. But yes, I believe that I was called to go do this. Well, I believe that we are put in places for a reason. And I think that sometimes if you want to call that Lord, you want to call it Spirit, you want to call that whatever. I, I believe in the Lord, and I believe that's something that put me here in front of you right now i am sitting on my bended knee but that's only because it's good for the sound <laughs> yeah. so if i can create a visual here but yeah it is i mean i think that like a lot of people you know look at this and they say well you know there's a time and a place and i think one thing for politics especially is it does take a lot of timing it does take a lot of luck and it takes a lot of grace i mean sometimes these things you have good people that run and don't win you have bad people that run and win 
And so sometimes you have to say, like, well, how did I get in a spot where this opportunity and this chance worked? I got here by a lot of hard work. Hard work. Knocked a lot of doors. You know, it's kind of like Noah and the Ark. Right. We're going to start talking about preaching. We'll preach a little bit. Okay. Please, okay. please. <laughs> Noah and the Ark. God told Noah there was going to be a flood, but he didn't build the Ark. Right. And so here the same is. He, he, he opened this door for me. I chose to walk through it. But I had to do the work to do that. Mm -hmm. I had to do work to get here. And once you're here... It is not an easy job no. being here. No, right. Um, and so people think we come down here and we're, you know, we're living off everybody. But I would challenge you to leave your job this morning and go make $35,914 a year. Go live <laughs> in Jeff City for five or six months out of the year. You come down here then about every month after that and all the other events and everything that you go to. Now, I'm not complaining. It sounds glamorous. I, I'm in that position where I can go do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so your background, I mean, you, um, you're you a native Texan. Native right? born in Texas, raised in Oklahoma, went to Oklahoma State University. Yeah. You're, you're um Degree in electrical engineering. I, I was trying to remember, they're cowboys. Cowboys. Always yeah. you cowboys. I should know that because I went to a Big 12 school myself, but I won't say which one. I won't besmirch myself on this. It was KU. Sorry. Um, so you went. So, I'm so sorry. I know. You have a background in engineering, do you not? I do. Electrical engineering. Yeah. Okay. So is that what you studied at Oklahoma State? Uh, yes. I have a degree, bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. Um, surprisingly, though, I got out and went to work in the oil field. Oh. So That's what a, did you do for, like, what? No one will know if I tell you. It's an open hole well logging engineer. Okay. Yeah. Oh. We, we took a half a million dollar truck and a crew of three and went out and put electronic instruments radiation devices down in an open hole in an open well oil well and would tell them whether or not they had oil or gas and where it was so you were kind of you were like the one that was trying to figure out if they were digging holes in the right place is that a simple way of looking no, at the it? hole was already oh, there yeah. you're so just telling that there was like oil in it there was oil in it or not wow yeah so you did that how long did you do that did that a couple of years okay yeah that's gonna be like real i mean like you're out in the middle of nowhere it's hot you work about 100, 120 hours a week. Yeah. Three weeks on, one week off. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's in the oil field. So you better be tough. <laughs> Where what was this in Oklahoma? This was in Oklahoma. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's not exactly known as being shaded, pleasant. No, it's not. Okay. You got to be out in all the pleasant weather. Okay. You know, whether it was 110 or, or 20 below. So how, okay, so you did that for a little bit, and then what did you do after that? Well, I have a long, varied background in corporate life after that. Okay. I started my own businesses then later on in life. I decided if I was going to work for a jerk, it was going to be me. And uh, so after <laughs> a lot of corporate Hewlett Packard digital equipment, yeah. I sold. Oh, wow. I sold high performance technical computers. Um, so you did sales as well? I did sales, okay. computational fluid dynamics, flight simulators, anything that had to do with really flight high simulators. end. Uh, yeah. High-end computers. So, like, who buys flight simulators? Is it, like, airlines? Is it uh, military? Boeing, military. Yeah. Um, we did a lot of battlefield stimulation with those things. Oh, and so, okay. So, it's a, it's a very deal. So, but uh, I don't ever think about, like, the marketplace for that sort of thing. Yeah, it's pretty esoteric. <laughs> You're not telling me there's a lot of people doing that? Not a lot of people okay. doing that. But computers have changed since then. That's when you had... You know, a, a, a one gig disk drive would cost you eighteen hundred bucks. Oh, and so yeah, that is different. I, I'm so old, so <laughs> let's put that. So, well, so when did you get to Kansas City? Uh, we moved up here in 1986. Okay, um, and uh, so I've been in uh, my district for what 33 years now. Okay, 32 years. All right, and that is in Independence, which is a very large suburb of Kansas City. Yes, and my district runs from Sugar Creek, Independence, all the way to Buckner. Now, if you don't know where Buckner is, that's three miles west of Levesey. 
I don't know where Levesey is Levesey either. Is th- I was glad you asked. <laughs> Levesey Please. is three miles west of Napoleon. Oh, okay. Which is three miles west of Waterloo. I'm starting to get the idea here. Yeah, yeah. You are in a lot of eastern Jackson eastern County. Eastern Jackson County. Yeah, okay. I know where that is. So, okay, so you lived there for 33 years. You were doing, the, you had this varied career in corporate America, doing engineering, and then you have this calling to run for state rep. And what you ran in 2012? I ran in 14. This, you ran in 14. I'm a junior. So much, th- so much for my research beforehand. You, okay, so you were elected in 2014. Was this an open seat? Uh, no, there was an incumbent Democrat. There. Okay, so you were able to, and so uh, you saw that as an opportunity to get elected, and you knocked on a lot of doors, and you won. And I won. So you've been here since 2015. This is my fifth year. Okay. So this is my third term. Okay, okay, so... In this day and age, you have been in the state representative. That's a long time to be in the legislature because we have term limits now. In a predominantly Democrat district, yes. Yeah. Okay. So how how do you, do you credit all of that to hard work as a, how you're able to beat the numbers on that? Well, let's define that hard work. Once you get in office, yeah, the hard work is not knocking on the doors. The right. hard work is taking care of people, making sure that you vote for people first, mm-hmm. and making sure that you listen to your constituents and that you're back in the community. And I think that's a thing, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit, too, because I think, you know, people have a weird idea about what happens when you're a state representative or a state senator. You come up here, you debate controversial topics, you debate the budget, you debate all these other things. But, I mean, there's this aspect of you do have to represent where you're from. And you have, like I said, what do you got, 35, 36,000 people that you represent? I have 36,000, and of that, 58% are predominantly Democrat. Okay, so... So then you had to factor in that, too, when you're, I mean, do you factor that in or do you look at it and say, well, these people elected me. Uh, They elected me by pretty healthy margins, uh, especially after, you know, I've been here for a while. Do you say, okay, well, they trust me to do what I think is right. Or do I have to say, okay, well, I have to factor in what their interests are. Well, first of all, I represent them. I don't represent a party. I don't represent anybody but the people who put me here. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. You always have to remember to vote for people. Right. If you if you if you forget that, if you lose that perspective, of course your your personal opinions always enter into this thing. You look at yeah. it, is it constitutional? That's right. the first thing I look at. Yeah. Is it gonna hurt people or help people? That's the second thing I look at. Is it gonna hurt or help corporations, jobs, those kind of things that need to have that in you know, drive the economy. Right. Uh, and then the fourth thing is, what is my personal opinion on that? Yeah. Now, there's some things I don't I don't cross the line on, and those are moral issues that have to do with mainly abortion or guns. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At the state level, anything we do in that is going to go to the Supreme Court anyway in the United States. Yeah. So we need to put those differences aside and, and go back to what we can fix in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of those issues, we just we don't have any control over. Not right. really. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're talking about your co-equal branch. There are federal courts, there are state courts that get involved with all this stuff, too. You're right. So, you know, we have two very uh, two very emotional issues that we spend a lot of time right. on. Usually in the field, we spend a lot of time on that. But we shouldn't, because whatever we do in Missouri is going to go to the Supreme Court anyway. Yeah. But uh, So let's get back to what takes... You know, when you get up in the morning and you get ready to go to work and you've got to go to work and pay the bills, probably the last thing you're thinking about is abortion or gun rights. That's true in my case. That's yeah. true. So we, let's put those over to the other side. Now, right. I'm pro-life yep. and I'm pro-gun. Right. But you know what? There's 99.9 other things in the yeah. state that we need to think about and do that we can actually control 
fix and do these things in the state. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that is always amazing to me is, I mean, you are running, you're and you're voting on things that affect a $28 billion operation that affects everybody around Missouri. And that is what takes up a lot of your time here, does it not? I mean, trying to figure out what that's going to look like, how that's going to run. I mean, it's a big operation. Well, you know, let's talk about a $28 billion budget for a moment. Yeah. And, and that $28 billion, when I started, it was $26 billion. Right. Um, and at that point in time, we spent 72 cents of every dollar on two things, education and social services. Right. Now we're at $28 billion and we spend $0.77 cents of every dollar okay. on education and social services, which means we run the state on 23 cents. <laughs> yeah. That's transportation, that's, that's roads. That's it's, roads, that's yeah. everything else. Yeah, I mean, did I did I hear right with the governor's state of the state address that uh, a third of our budget goes to Medicaid? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we get a, basically we get a third from the federal government, we get a, uh, uh, a third from income taxes, and we get a third from, well, we get general revenue from uh, sales taxes and those kind of things. Right. But a third of our budget is spent on social services, yeah. And that keeps going up. Our Medicaid costs are, expend, are going up at an astronomical rate. And quite frankly, when we're at 77 cents, that's not sustainable. That's a lot of money. It is not sustainable. We've right. gone from 72 to 77 in four years. That's a percent a year that is not sustainable. So when everybody comes to my office and talks about education and social service, I'm absolutely sympathetic. Right. But I'm warning everybody right now, that is not sustainable. That's going to end at some time. Education is going to get cut. Yeah. Social services are going to get cut. There's no way around it unless we somehow magically expand the, the ability to raise money within the state. So I just tell everybody. And there's no easy answer to that. No easy answer. And then in the middle of all of that, you had to deal with another emotional issue of utilities, which everyone yeah. thinks to themselves, like, that seems like that's a really boring, dull concept, but it has been very controversial in this building. Safe to say? Well, part of the controversy is, in my opinion, we still have the utilities in the 1930 environment. Yeah. In the 1930s, we incented the utility companies, especially electric companies, to go out into the country and build the infrastructure. Right. And, and the more you can sell, the more you can make. Right. And that's the box we put them in. Yeah. And they did a great job at that. Yes. And so, but the problem is we still have them in that box. Right. We still have them in the box that the more they sell, the more they make. Well, what they're noticing is that the more efficient we become or we have renewables, yeah. those are threats to how much they make. Because it's a threat to how much they sell. Right. So we still have them in that box. And so when you wonder at Renew Missouri why they go after solar and when they're not real happy <laughs> about solar or right. purchase power agreements or mm -hmm. net metering or any of the other things, well, it's because we have them in the 1930 box. Right. The more they sell, the more they make. And when you're taking that away from them, they're saying, whoa, wait a second here. We are not where we need to be. You're taking business away from us. Mm -hmm. So there's no incentive for them to want to do a net metering agreement or a right. power agreement. Right. Yeah, and that's like something that I know that our group, we talk about net metering, we talk about rooftop solar, we talk about having businesses with the ability to make their own power. But, you know, and a lot of people say, like, why why isn't that why isn't that more popular? It's because well, you have utility companies who I you know, I think I understand their perspective. They're saying, like, look, we're putting money into the grid, we're putting money into connecting this stuff. And now you want to come in and make this, you know, make your own power, and we're just supposed to be there to, like, you know, hope we can take a little bit out of it. I mean, I get their argument. Yeah, and the, pro the other problem we face is that 
we have a base rate that we charge people. Right. You, you know, you look at your electric bill, and there's a base rate, and then there's all these other things that are on there. But that base rate was originally designed to say, if I didn't generate a single watt of electricity, just what would it cost to maintain the grid and, and, and all the infrastructure, all the wiring, all the poles, yeah. everything out there. That's yeah. what technically is your base rate right. before you turn anything else on. Right. Well, your base rate in the state is somewhere, I'm going to guess, around $35, $40, somewhere in that range. That's, that's, that's close, yeah. The problem is that that's not a true base rate. Mm-hmm. The base rate is really in the 65 to 75 or $80 range. Mm-hmm. Because somewhere in the past, we said, whoa, we can't have a true base rate because Grandma Millie can't afford $70 a month. Right. Or, you know, Grandma and Grandpa who can't, who are barely using the one light bulb in the, in the closet <laughs> yeah. can't afford $70, $75 a month base rate. Yeah. So what we do is we take the base rate, we cut it in half, we then take the part that that should be charged in a base rate, and we put that over on the generation side, and so we allow them to make a little bit more per kilowatt in their charge. Right. So we, it's it's a rate shift. We shift that rate over onto the generation side, so that what you're being charged for electricity is higher than it could be. Right. If you had a true base rate. So when solar comes along, for instance, and says, "Hey, I want to." I want to plug in. I want to put a solar on my on my roof, on yeah. my house, or I want to put a solar farm. And my house is sitting there, and I'm paying a thirty-five dollar base rate, but I'm using zero electricity. Mm-hmm. If the true base charge is eighty dollars, and I'm paying thirty-five dollar base rate, then I've got fifty-five dollars that's being shifted to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so, last year there was a run by the utility companies to do a solar. Um, a solar fee on top. If you had yeah. solar on your house, to add, they want to make a different class. They want to make a different yeah. class, and there's a valid argument to that, mm-hmm. because if you're not using any of the electricity that is subsidizing, and you know, Grandma Millie, yeah, then you need to have to be able to pay a true base rate. My premise to the utility companies was: I understand your problem. Mm-hmm. We have you in the box. We've done this to you, but we've also subsidized Grandma Millie. Mm-hmm. So what do we do here? How do we fix this? Well, the, the real fix to that is to go, everybody go to a true base rate. Mm-hmm. But how many people do you think would be calling my office if I introduced a bill tomorrow and said, hey, your electric bill base gonna rate double. is going to have to double? <laughs> yeah, it but would probably be upsetting to some of your constituents. might be a little upsetting, but we'd have to then conversely go back into rate cases and reduce the rates on the generation side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the net effect, if we did it right, should be a zero net effect. Yeah. But, or at least very, very close. But so as we move into the future into renewables, yeah, we still have the electricity, the electric companies in this old box. So, right. what do you think is going to happen to the electric company when all of a sudden storage technology? Yeah, and I mean, it is my opinion, like, the market. yeah, I mean, like, look, and I, I want just for my solar friends who are listening to know, I believe there's a valid argument against what Representative Kidd's saying, but we're having an interview here, not a debate. So I just want you all I've to know heard, that. I've heard those You've two. heard it. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I look at the fact that utility companies are going to have to look at their business model and the way they do their business, and they're going to have to change things. I mean, I, I absolutely believe it's going to have to be based more on you know, this ability for consumers to have more control over what they're doing. It's going to have to be based more on efficiency. It, I mean, I and I think that there's an unwillingness to change because, well, hey, nobody likes change. No, but 
I've talked to utility companies, and if we came up with a true base rate, mm -hmm. there's their argument for why you have solar on your house goes away. Uh -huh. Now we can get into all the other solar arguments right. about how I'm providing, uh, you know, I'm providing electricity at a local point. I'm not having to bid, do grid build up and yeah. all the other arguments that right. you can hear in the solar business. I know that some people have quantified those. Mm -hmm. Whether that holds true in every case that we would look at, I don't know. Yeah. But the simply thing is, if we went to a true base rate, their argument on the utility side of why you have whatever renewable that is goes away. Yeah. Because you're plugging in, you're paying your part. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And you, you were speaking to this as someone who is a solar customer. I I have solar on my house. Yeah. Uh, I've just moved into a new house. I just got KCPNL to approve my my new solar. Hey, KCPNL, I'm glad that you're getting that. I'm glad you're getting through that list. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were worried about how long they take with that. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, and I think that that is something that passed the legislature last year. There was a rebate program and there was like approval. There is a, I mean, depending on the size of your uh, system, they have a certain amount of time to approve those things. I mean, I don't know if yours is on 30 days or is the other one 90 days. I don't have the statute in front of me, but it, hopefully they did a good job with that. Well, we'll see when they come out. When oh, I get yeah, the system okay. on, and we get it inspected. You know, <laughs> All right, now it, you're it, on. You're on it, watch. It doesn't matter until they get it inspected and approved. Yeah. So I mean, so you're speaking of this from personal experience as well. I have. I've I've fought with Kansas City Power and Light about before. Uh, we put a 10 kW system on my son's house. Yeah. I've been in the solar business. We installed it. Uh, yeah. And so put it on there, and we fought for about six weeks on the size of the sign. Uh, the sign usually went on the outside of the house and said, here's the disconnect, basically, and this house has solar, uh, you know, for their linemen. And we went the font size, font type, <laughs> color of sign. <laughs> I mean, it was just nuts. A lot of a lot of things to factor in right. that. So yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that this time that <laughs> they have changed that procedure because Literally, it took us six weeks to get through just what sign they wanted on the outside. Yeah, wow. See, it's not as simple as it sounds, folks. And now, you also, in addition to being someone who's interested in this topic, you're on the utility committee. I am. You're the vice chair. Um, I mean, you know what? I mean, you know, that is just basically whenever there's an issue about involving utility companies. And that's not just electricity. That's water. That's gas. I mean, I believe last night you had a utility committee uh, meeting, and they were talking about a uh, low-income a rate design for uh, for uh, for sewer and water customers. Sewer and water, yes. And you also had a bill that was heard last night in regards to the PSC and their technical advisors, and we're monitoring all that. Mr. Patterson was there. It's been, although those are bills out there, it's been a relatively quiet year. Should be a quiet year. Should well, okay. <laughs> I still think we got a couple weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think March first is what somebody told me was the drop. March first, the last day to, to file a new bill. Yeah. Okay. So we got to keep on our toes between now and then. I mean, so I mean, but like so far, I mean, how do you feel the session's been going? I mean, you've been here for a little over a month. Session's gone real well. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of did the heavy lift last year in utilities, right? Um, and. Uh, 564, Senate Bill. Senate Bill 564 and all the iterations and everything else that went in between <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and trying to convince people that when it said it shall not exceed 3% or 2.75, that that's exactly what it meant. Mm -hmm. uh, and the freeze rates for five years. And I think that people are beginning to see this month. I know KCPNL was starting to do this from reductions yes. this month. Yeah. So A big topic at the Public Service Commission right now is how those rates are getting reduced. 
And I think we're still dealing with Empire on that. So I think that we're still we're still going through that, even though that build came law. I think the rate reduction stuff came law immediately because that was part of an emergency clause. So when it got signed on June 1st, the PSC had to get to work. So it's, uh, again, a slow process. Uh, <laughs> it's a very complex animal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I mean, I've only been doing it for a couple of years, and I am amazed every day by what I learned from it. And one thing I learned last week is there is a new committee, and you're on it. Uh, it is a joint committee, um, and it is about disaster preparedness. Am I getting that right? That's yes. It's uh, what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the state of uh, disaster preparedness in the state of Missouri, where we are, uh, what our state emergency management agency has, what they need, what legislation we need. Um, we're hoping that some of that we will get to um, some of the utility infrastructure problems that we might have in case we do have a disaster. Right. Um, and how you know. There are a ton of things we're going to look at. I mean, it's it's yeah. a very big deal. Um, State of Missouri is pretty. I'm a level one emergency operations center manager certified in the state of Missouri. Oh, you which are. Which means if I'm oh, run, okay. if you see me running because I never run, <laughs> you have to figure out am I running to the problem or away from it. So we should follow you. So well, no, am I running? Uh, <laughs> am, am I running to, to oh. the problem or am I running away from it? Well, we want to help if there's a problem. Yeah. We're 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 hearty we're hearty fellows over here. So the state of Nash, of our you know which goes along into renewables. So, yeah, which is a, a something that we really have never looked at in the state is um, maybe if we looked at microgrids and maybe if we looked at yes. renewables and yes. maybe if we looked at all these things battery storage we just battery about. storage if we looked at all these things and how they relate to hey we're we sitting on top of the new Madrid Falls. It's, it's due to do something, right? It's going to happen one yeah. of these days. <laughs> and we got lots of tornadoes in southwest Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, ice storms and, and uh, winter storms that we've had in the Kansas City area this year. Uh, it, is a, it is a strain on the grid. It is a strain on the utilities. It is a strain on customers. And, I mean, that's what, I mean, when I saw that committee had been formed, I thought there was a great opportunity to talk about resiliency. And they talk about some of these new technologies because it is absolutely crucial because if you don't have power, it's going to be hard to address a crisis. Yeah, we're going to have, I hope we have the time. That's the problem is how much time can you spend on this? I mean, this is a huge issue in the state. Right. Um, but one of those things we need to look at is is grid resiliency. Right. Um, can we break the grid up into sections? You know, yeah. How can we divide it out? How can we get a certain, and the utility companies have all this. I mean, they do. One of those things we need to look at is legislation that moves us forward to allow for microgrids for self-generation for single point connections out of a microgrid. You know, if you're sitting in a subdivision, I'm a developer and I put a microgrid in and I put a storage unit in, you know, to store utilities. I've got wind and I've got solar and, and uh, so I'm generating a lot of my own electricity and basically I'm using the grid and a one-point connection for my backup yeah. or my supplemental, depending on what the day is and whether I'm generating enough electricity. Mm -hmm. um, we still have to account for what if they overgenerate. You know, right now it's illegal to overgenerate. Right. So right. we haven't even addressed any of these issues in legislation that would even begin to address the resiliency part and, and, and incenting people to be self-resilient. 
if you want to put it in that way. So this committee, do you anticipate it will be looking at legislation? Will it be recommending legislation? How do you think that's going to work with this? Well, yes and no. We're going to look at, first of all, we're going to look at Chapter 44 in the Revised Missouri Statutes, which is the emergency, um, the emergency statutes in the state. Yeah. Those haven't been updated prior to 9-11, so we it's still been a have, long time. We still have civil defense stuff in there. Oh. <laughs> so we, we have to update that. Um, yeah, I'd say that would probably be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, that needs to be updated first. So those kind of things need to be updated. But we also need to then start in the long term looking at uh, what we do with infrastructure. And yeah. that's roads, that's bridges, that's utilities, that's water. I mean, there's a whole issue that if we have, it's, as we said, it's just a matter of when the New Madrid Falls goes. Right. Um, you know, I certainly want to be living in South St. Louis when that happens. <laughs> certainly want to be across the border in Tennessee and Memphis. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And depending on which geologist you ask, that could have ripple effects all the way up to Kansas City area. Absolutely. Uh, we don't know where all the subsurface faults are in the state. There are some near Springfield. I know that, so, that they've identified. So we don't know how any of that's going to affect. Um, so we have to look at that. We have to look at if that happens, what do we do? What do we? Where do we move people? Where do we take them? How do we shelter them? I mean, yeah. it's, it's a huge issue. And unfortunately, if we lose our National Guard uh, right. in this... Because uh, they get deployed elsewhere. They get deployed elsewhere. We are in dire straits. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is and something... I'm sure yeah. there's some officials in the state of Missouri would not like me to say that. But <laughs> but if they're being realistic, really you have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that if you are a homeowner, if you can't think of any other reason to go renewables... Yeah. Think of the new Madrid fault. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think that's why one thing we talk about the economy and we talk about altruism of this, but we don't ever really spend a lot of time talking about what happens when there's a crisis. Well, we all get put in with tinfoil hats on and become preppers. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't think of you as a prepper if you're talking about renewable energy in dealing with a crisis. Yeah, but but it's kind of a classification. <laughs> oh, you're putting solar on. Oh, are you, what are you thinking the world's going to end? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you know, be prepared. That's the old adage. Be prepared. Yeah. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it is one of those things that does offer a big advantage to this stuff. And you've got a whole committee now looking at it. Got a whole committee looking at it. In addition to everything else. We talked about education. We talked about social services. And you got to worry about that. you got to worry about utility issues. And you got to worry about disaster readiness. I think you're the right man for the job. And I think we've taken up a lot of your time. But is <laughs> is there any pitch you want to make to our uh, listeners? Anything that you'd like for them to know? Anything that you'd like for them to think about uh, before we leave? You know, I always tell everybody, get involved. Mm -hmm. Get yeah. involved. Um, we kind of sit here in a vacuum because we don't hear from our constituents right. a lot. Uh, and the ones we hear from are not necessarily the ones that are the majority or the... <laughs> or the yeah. The squeaky wheels. Yeah. How do I say that? <laughs> Um, so we'd like for you, we'd like for you to get involved. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you come in, talk to us. Uh, we'd love to see you walk in the office, um, yeah. and, and hear what you think. I'd love for you to come in and, and, uh, listen to some of the issues when you think that we should have voted a certain way on a yeah. certain bill. Right. Have you read the bill? <laughs> I can answer. No, they no. probably haven't. Right. <laughs> and so. There's always a gotcha in the bill. There's always an unintended consequence. So yeah. get involved, read the legislation, know what's going on, 
just don't show up. I mean, show up and vote, but know who and what you're voting for. Yeah. When you get there. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it's a good segue for me to promote the fact that Missouri Solar Energy Industry Association is having a lobby day on March 13th. See our website for more details. So we'll be around for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ultimately you sound like you're very tuned in with your constituents. Some lawmakers are not, but it sounds like you have, and that is you've been uh, you've been rewarded with getting to come here more often. So, <laughs> is that a reward? Or yeah, a I don't know. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God works in mysterious ways, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it actually is a reward. I consider this an honor. Yeah, well, it's an honor that, uh, that you are here, that you support us. We appreciate you. I think you're great. So uh, we just want to thank everyone for listening. We'd also say if you liked what you heard, go sign up to subscribe for us on Stitcher, on iTunes, and now we're on Spotify, which is a very big deal. So go there, write a review, as long as it's positive, and share this with your social media friends. Like, we want to get people out there. We've been really happy. We've been, we've been very grateful that lawmakers have been able to take time out of their really incredibly busy schedule to talk to us. And Representative Bill Kidd, thank you again. Thank you for having me. And for all of you out there, uh, our renewed Missouri supporters, thank you, and we'll see you next time on the radio.